0: All right. So do you have that graphic back there? Can you put up the graphic, uh, the series we're involved with? And if you would, please turn to Proverb, excuse me, Psalm 35. Psalm 35. So if you look at the graphic, um, I believe this is the way I was quickened to do it. I'm not saying the Lord spoke to me or anything, but this, this is one the number one reason we want to prosper is because we can help situations and people and ministries more. Anybody ever been in a situation where you wanted to help somebody and you couldn't because you didn't have the resources? Not fun. And if we want prosperity for the right reason, it'll come into our life in a greater way and our faith for it will be on a higher level. A lot of times our hearts aren't where they should be because our motives aren't right. And it affects our ability to receive from the Lord, whether it's prosperity or whatever blessing He has for us. And so if we want prosperity for the right reason, God's all for doing everything He can to get it to us. And so the number one reason we want to prosper, I have four big reasons, but the number one reason we want to prosper is so we can turn those finances into ministry to other people so more people could be in heaven. I mean, no, you can turn finances and prosperity into ability to preach the gospel more, to do more things in our own city, television, time, uh, more archives, greater things on the internet, social media, outreach teams, more staff, right? More money, more people in heaven. If that money gets in the right people's hands, there'll be more people in heaven. Now as I think about this, I think about how evil it is to fight the prosperity message. Because how are you going to get people to heaven if you can't get ministers to where those people are? Whether it's gasoline or jet fuel. How can you help them if you don't have a Bible that somebody spent money to print on the printing press? How can you get a book that could save somebody's life in their hands if there's no money to print the book and there's nobody to take the book and there's no gas in the car and there's no bicycle or whatever? So really, to to come against the prosperity message... I know some people do dumb things with prosperity, and a lot of, things do, a lot of people do dumb things in other areas. But it doesn't mean everybody does dumb things in those areas. Right. Just because one doctor practiced malpractice doesn't mean everybody does. Right. I, I'm not, people are going to stop going to the doctor, I hope, just because one person flaked out. Right. Well, did you hear about what that school teacher did? Man, it was so blasphemous and crazy. Well, oh, I'm never going to go to school again, never going to have my kids go by teachers again. No, that was one person. Right. Sure, there's people, there's preachers, there's people, there's Christians that have messed up in the financial area. But it doesn't mean prosperity is wrong. It just means that the devil's trying to convince some people that it's wrong because the devil wants this church and all churches broke. And he will not get his way and his will done in our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. We will not, it will not happen. Now, you put prosperity in some people's hands, you put finances and increase in some people's hands, they'll be dead in two weeks because of the addictions in their life. But, you have a group of people that want to preach the gospel and get people saved. We should be boldly believing and claiming lots of prosperity because more money, more people in heaven. If that money gets in the right hands, there will be less people in hell. Think about this revelation. More money in some churches and in some people's lives means translates into less people in hell, a real place that the Lord does not want anybody to go, that many will go if we don't get to them with the good news and the love of God. That's important stuff. More money, more outreach. More money, more ministers. More money, more power to get people saved, to get their attention, to help them, to reach them. I I don't know how many invitations I get, Carl. I get invitations all the time to go to Pakistan and India and Romania and Costa Rica and all these places and if the Lord tells me to go, I'm getting my suitcase and going. But there's some things that still need to be to happen in our ministry and there's other people that want to go to these places too. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to say your your entire trip is financed. We have a, a, an account that has more than enough. Now we we've, we've helped we help missionaries all the time. We cut large checks all the time. Even if they don't minister here. All the time. We've given away like close to $10,000 in the last couple of months to people that haven't even ministered here. We just know them. They come to our church. They visit. And we're glad to be able to do that. How much more could we do? So we can see more people in heaven if the right people have more prosperity. Isn't that good? All right. Number two. More prosperity. More prosperity the more we can do the full will of God for our lives. I mean, no, it takes prosperity to do a lot of things the New Testament says we should be doing. Did it take any prosperity for you to be in church tonight? Mm -hmm. Did it take a car? Did you just burn a little gas? Did you pay for the clothes you have on or did you steal them? Well, even if you stole them, you had to have some clothes on when you stole them. So you still need prosperity. It it takes prosperity to go to church. It takes prosperity to help the poor like we're all called to do. How can you help the poor if you don't have enough for you? You can't even obey the Lord in helping the poor if you don't even have enough for you. I know there's times it's tough and I know there's times it's tight. We've all been there, but we should get out of it eventually. Amen? Amen? And, and I, I'm not against welfare or anything like that. I thank God for the things that are helping people. But when you become a born-again believer, you shouldn't have to live on welfare all your life. Right. 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 And if you're not able to make money, the church can help you, if you have no family that can help you. Right. Anyway, prosperity will help us to do the will of God. There's scriptures that talk about providing for your own house. How can you do that if you don't have prosperity? It's interesting to me that a lot of people that, that sh- shy away from the prosperity message, they don't like it, they talk against it, but those same people work 40 hours a week to get some of it. Yeah. Yeah. They're saying it's no big deal, but they're showing that it's a very big deal. You don't give 40 hours of your life in the prime of life for something that's not a big deal. That's right. It's not the biggest deal, but it's not a little deal either. There are people dying because they don't have enough money. Poverty is death begun. I mean, enough of it will kill you. So if we want to even obey the Lord fully, we're going to need some prosperity. What if he tells you tomorrow, hey, get on a plane, hook up with with this ministry, and go to Moscow for two weeks and help them build a church and an orphanage? Well, Lord, I can't. Well, for one thing, if he tells you to do it, he's going to give you the ability to do it. But I think he wants to tell us to do a lot more that we've not been in position to do. And part of it's been because prosperity hasn't been maybe where it could and should be in our lives. I, I, I know it's a little strong on a Wednesday night to say this, but I really think it, it's our responsibility to prosper so we can do everything he told us to do. And don't don't think you have to be working on a job to prosper. We've got scripture after scripture that shows how God can take care of people supernaturally, miraculously. And we're not talking about... some of. There may be a bunch of people already here. You're already where you're supposed to be, doing exactly what the Lord wants you to do. I want my cup running over. Like King David, my cup runneth over. Too much. More than enough. And if you're not there... At least don't be against those that want to be there. Right. If you're in a comfortable place, that's between you and the Lord. Right. I just know there's some people that want to come up. I'm looking forward to the day in the very, very, very near future. Most of the people in this church's houses are paid for, and they're driving nice cars, and they're all parked in this parking lot. Cars that don't break down. Mm-hmm. Cars that don't need a bunch of time, to, unless you're just into old cars or something. But hopefully that one's not broke down either. We've driven broken down cars, and the Lord told us, take care of them like it's a new car. And being a good steward of the broken down car, you know, shining up the rust as much as you can, got us into some new cars. So, number three, we can't help the poor without prosperity. And I thought I'd say this too, number four, why prosper? So we can make visible the goodness of God to people all around us. So we can make visible the goodness of God to people all around us. Because it's the goodness of God that's going to lead people to repentance. And people out there in the world aren't going to sense the goodness of God. They need to see the goodness of God in our lives. Paul said, I want these things to, in your life to appear to all. God said in Deuteronomy, he said, I want to bless you so much that all nations shall see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they will reverence you. He said, I want to bless you in your storehouse. I want to bless you in your home. I want to bless the fruit of your body. I want to bless the increase of your kind. I want to bless your business. I want to bless you when you come in. I want to bless you when you go out. I want to bless you with this. I want to bless you in your basket. I want to bless you in your store. So that all nations can see something. That you are called by the name of the Lord. And it says in the King James, and they will be afraid of you. Reverence you. It seems God wants some of his goodness appearing in our lives. So when people look at us, they see his goodness. And one of, the, one of the areas of goodness, Deuteronomy 28 says, is in this area of letting God take care of us, even materially and financially. And you have to understand, this is Wednesday night. I know I said a few things that are a little strong already. But we're not saying that if, you, if you're not as prosperous as the person next to you, You did something bad. We're not saying that's stupid. That's the devil. We're not saying that at all. I'm just saying if we can, and we choose not to, maybe we should rethink it and say, maybe we should think about what my prosperity is going to do for others and not just what I want. I think if the whole church gets on this prosperity road, it's going to be a lot easier for all of us to get to the places we need to get in this area because the momentum will take us there. All right, Isaiah 1. I'm sorry. Psalm thirty-five, twenty-seven, and then we'll go to Isaiah one. Psalm thirty-five, twenty-seven. This is the scripture we've been basing this whole series on. The Bible says, "Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor." God said, "My righteous cause," and His righteous cause is first and foremost getting people to heaven, preaching the gospel so they can believe and be saved. God said, "Yes, let them say continually, let." That who? Those that favor His righteous cause say continually. There's some things we should be saying continually, and there's some things we should never say. But this is one of the things we should say. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Right. Mm. Now, everything I just said up to this point is found in that phrase right there. God's pleased when we prosper, when His righteous cause is our goal, is our number one, first and foremost motive in our life. I, sometimes you have to break through stuff. You know, We live in an interesting world, and there's opposing forces around us constantly that you have to break through at times. And a lot of times we think, well, Pastor, why are you sharing on this again? Well, too many times sermons are never acted on. Sermons are never... Uh, developed in people's lives. They, they never come to fruition in the area of what they're supposed to produce. And then we go to the next series, and the last series didn't do anything for us except give us some knowledge. Right. How many want more than knowledge from the Word? Anybody want a changed life? No. If we're talking about increase, how many of you want increase? No. I mean, why talk about increase for four weeks if we don't see any increase? Right. That's almost like a waste of time. I mean, Jesus said if we're hearers of the Word and not doers... We're just like people who've never heard. They experience the same destruction as those who never heard, though they heard, but didn't do. I know a lot of times when the Lord sends Keith Moore here, you know, he he shares things and I've I've sensed the Lord say, don't stop just because, because he's only here like three meetings. And usually it takes four or five or six meetings in a a series to get it into it in our blood and sometimes even more to get it to where it's really working in our life. And that's when he leaves because he doesn't stay that long sometimes, We have to keep going over what he said, what the Spirit of God said through him. Just like our series, the series we teach here. Sometimes you have to go further than your brain wants to go. Because it didn't say, believe with your brain and everything will be great. It said, believe with your heart. Until that word gets in your heart, it may just be knowledge. So... Isaiah 1. Now you got that scripture there, right? God is pleased when his servants prosper. I didn't say he's pleased when everybody prospers, because some people aren't his servants. They're serving the devil. He's not pleased with them. But he's pleased when his servants prosper. And so look at Isaiah 119. And Tina, we're going to go ahead and look at those three translations I gave you, uh, starting with the NIV, and then the NLV, and then the TLV. And I know, I realized you had to copy and paste those, so... We understand that the text might be a little different size. So here it says in the New International Version, God said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good things of the land. So we know he's not just talking about food, he's talking about all things that come from the earth. If you're willing and obedient, you're gonna not just have them, you're going to eat them, right? Right. Eat means enjoy, not just legally have. You wanna go from legal? To experiential? Anybody want to go from legally being blessed? To experientially being blessed? Where at your actual bank account's different? Huh? You want to go? You want to go to eating? You want to go to eating? Real simple. If you're willing and obedient, you're going to eat the good things of the land. That means use up. Automobiles come from the earth. House, house material comes from the earth. The chair you're sitting in comes from the earth. The clothes you're wearing comes from the earth. Animals came from the dirt. We came from the dirt, right? All these things that the earth produces, God says, I will bless you with them. They will come your way. Your faith will be able to receive these things if you take willingness and obedience seriously. Now, before we go any farther, because I've been around a little while. I know how the devil speaks to people and lies to people. They hear, oh, obedience to the Lord. Oh, that's so hard. There's that, so much to think about. Oh, my gosh, obedience to the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Obey all His commandments. Oh, my. Let me just say what the Bible... The Bible says, if you're going to hook up with Jesus and do what He wants you to do, His yoke is easy. So we're talking about something that's easy tonight. And His burden is light. So we're talking about something light to do. First John says, His commandments are not grievous. So we're talking about something Not grievous. Anybody more interested now? Right. Oh, I got to do more to get blessed. I got to do... No, listen. His yoke is easy, His burden is light, and His commandments are not grievous. So for the last few minutes, I'm going to tell you a few things about obeying the Lord because if that's what produces this... Well, let me show you two more scriptures. Same scripture, but look at this scripture out of the NLV, the New Life Version. If you are willing and obey, you will eat the best of the land. (laughs) I was talking with Keith Moore a while back about some things. I remember when we got in one of our other houses in another neighborhood here in town. um, I remember talking with Keith about, Keith, I, I was looking around one day and I realized we have the best house in the subdivision. This was a while back. And then I said, I realized we have one of the best cars in the neighborhood. I was thinking, I got some of the best stuff and I thought, it says right here you'll, eat, you'll use up the best of the land. And I was talking. That's the way it's supposed to be, John. He said it, we're supposed to be using up the best. The best is supposed to be coming our way because we're not just doing little secular things that are going to be forgotten the, uh, two hours after we're gone. We're doing things that are going to last forever. We're helping souls get to heaven. We're supporting our church. We're giving to the poor. We're being a blessing. We're using our finances for things that are positive in life. And I got to think, it's you're going to find yourself saying, wow. I got like the best that they make in this area. That's totally scriptural. Anybody interested in the best for fulfilling what you're called to do? Not just the best for the best. Look at this, two other translations. Look at the Today's Living Bible, TLB. God says, if you will only let me help you. That's translating, if you're willing God says, if you'll only let me help you, and if you'll only obey, God said, then I'll make you rich. And that's a pretty literal translation. And if you read the next verse, I'm I'm just going to say, if you read the next verse, it says, but if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword, says the Lord Almighty. So this is God personally talking here through the prophet. But when you hear those words, says the Lord, or says the Lord of hosts, or says the Lord's Almighty, he's making it clear that this is God totally overtaking somebody and speaking through them. Not like possession or anything, just they're yielding and he's speaking and he's saying straight from heaven, this is from me. This verse, the next one, says it's totally from the Lord's mouth. Look at the message translation. Okay, if you, if you be willful and stubborn, oh no, can you go, that's the message. Can you go back to the 18th verse? That's the 20th verse alright God says come sit down let us argue this out this is God's message if your sins are blood-red they'll be snow white if they're red like crimson they'll be like wool if you willingly obey you'll feast like kings (laughs) let's do the next verse but if you willfully but if you're willful and stubborn, you'll die like dogs. That's right. God says so. <laughs> <laughs> the message translation puts, puts it in just such a way that after you get punched, you get a little sugar to <laughs> swallow it with. Okay, I want to ask you a question. We see from these scriptures that being willing and obedient means we're going to eat the best of the land. We're going to get the good things of the land. We're going to feast like kings and God's going to make us rich. Right? So how could having the best be wrong if doing God's will produces it? How could having nice things, how could feasting like kings be wrong if it's the result of being willing and obedient to the Lord? So if we're willing and obedient. So what's he talking about being willing and obedient to? Obeying who? Obeying what? Could we say obeying God? What does it mean to obey God? I mean, just reading these scriptures, if we're willing and obedient to do the will of God for our lives, we're gonna eat the best of the land, our life's gonna be a blessing, and that should mean a lot to you if you want to be a blessing. Because if you, if you aren't a blessing, you can't be a blessing. If God can't get it to you, he can't get it through you. Right. Understood, right? So, what, what's, if, if, doing, if doing the will of God produces all these amazing things that make us a bigger blessing to people around us, that makes knowing really, really important what is the will of God. Right. So I can be willing and obedient to the right thing. Not just busy, not just active, not just work hard that's not being willing and obedient to the Lord. That just may be working hard and being active and very busy. Right? But we want to make sure we're active and very busy doing something specific. And so, like, there's four wills that you're going to have to deal with. Four wills. You know what I mean by, will? there's the will of God, right? We want to do the will of God. Right? I mean, God has a will for your life. All right? But you have a will. And many times through this life, you're going to have to put your will down. Yeah. If you want to do the will of God. Jesus did. Yeah. Father, not my will, but your will be done. There's many times in this life we're going to have to go, you know what? I really want something, but I know God wants me to do something else. I, 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 I crave or want this, but I know from reading the scriptures and going to church that God don't want me to go that way. He wants me to go this way. And you're going to have to say no to what you want. Which is easier said than done. Because most of us are in the habit of doing what we want. Now, we never say it, but many, 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 many times in our past, we have basically said, Lord, I don't want to do what you want. I'm going to do what I want. And we convince ourselves that that's what God wants just because we want it. Well, that's being dishonest. And that's being deceptive. There's many times in our lives we're going to be confronted with Our will wants to go this way, and God wants us to go this way. When that happens, we find out who and what we love the most. All right, so there's our will, there's God's will, then there's other people's will. Remember it talked about in 1 Peter 4, 3, about uh, we used to be involved with the will of the pagans, you know, all their crazy partying and weird stuff. Talked about the will of the Gentiles, the will of the pagans. Other people have a will and they're going to want to enforce their will on you at times. And, and at a, you know, niceness or not wanting to rock the boat, you may find yourself doing something they want you to do versus what God wants you to do. Are you listening to me? Now, there is an area where we do need to yield our will to other people's wills because they're in a God ordained leadership position and we've identified them as leaders in our life. And there will be times that things will be asked of us, things will be presented to us, and then we'll have a decision to make. Do I want to do what I want to do or what my leader told me to do? Who's hearing from God? And a good leader, here's how you can tell a godly leader, a godly leader never tries to make anybody follow or submit. Anytime a leader is trying to make you do something or try to make you follow them or try to make you submit, they are not operating in godliness at that moment. All the scriptures I can find talk about submit yourself. Talking to the the subordinate one, talking to the one who's following. It said submit yourself to those in authority. Submit yourself. Even in the area of marriage, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. It didn't say, husbands, make your wives submit. That's where you start veering off of being a godly husband into all this other stuff. Yeah. Wives should want to submit because you're loving them like Christ loved the church. Right. If you want your wife to submit better, love her better. I guarantee she's not going to have any problem submitting to you if you love her like Christ loves the church. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right? Oh, my wife, you got to submit to me. No, she doesn't. She could take, take a walk and leave you tomorrow, right. she has a free will. You have to stay with me? No, she doesn't. Newsflash. She can leave you tomorrow. Yeah. Right. No, we're married. They have to stay. They can leave and be married, not be married tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Who do you think you are? And then there's you know, men that would try to make women feel so bad, and they'll, they'll say, well, the Bible says you're supposed to submit to me. And then they, then they abuse the wife, and they treat her wrongly. And the wife thinks, all along I have to submit to them because they're quoting Scripture in the Bible, says I have to submit to my husband. Don't be stupid. You submit to your husband as he submitted to the Lord. Yes. Anyway, I'll be calm. I'll be cool. <laughs> You know, a lot of people, they're messed up. We, we, had a, we had an excellent Bible study on Sunday night, just last Sunday night. Tapped into some really deep things. And we prayed, actually, that the, those things would eventually get into the church because they're very, very life-changing. They're more of a character-type building. Uh, our Bible study last Sunday night was more of a character-type building. But it hit on some of these things we're talking about now. And so let me show you a couple more scriptures before we close. And we'll get into just a little bit of that that we talked about on Sunday night. So, you got it, church? There's God's will. You can follow God's will if you want to. You have a will. Right? And there's times your will, I'm sure, is fine. There's other times your will needs to be put down and go with God's will. Other people have a will. It's going to try and make you do things at times. And then the Bible talks about the devil's will for your life. He has a will for your life. As a matter of fact, in Timothy, 2 Timothy, it says that the servant of the Lord must not strive. But be gentle unto all men, able to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Taken captive by the devil at his will. The devil has a will for your life. And his will is that you get deceived. It's his will that you get divided from where you're supposed to be, and his his will is that you get destroyed. And that's the progression. Deception, division, and destruction. The devil knows anything divided against itself is gonna fall. A country. Jesus said this this works with nations. A nation divided against itself, you know, Democrats against Republicans. If that gets any hotter, we're destroyed. This is the whole devil's goal, is to deceive people and thinking that that person's my enemy, you know, I'm their enemy. Deception. Number two, division. And number three, destruction. Deception, division and destruction. It's all of the devil. It's gross, it's terrible, it's demonic. The opposite is unity. Behold, oh, how good. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Well, we could quote it like this. Behold how awful and terrible it is for people to be in strife and offended at one another. It's like the demonic spirits of the, the pit, you know. I mean, it's great. Unity is like the anointing of God. Hitting the head of Aaron, running down his beard, even to the skirts of his garment. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Like the dew on Mount Hermon. Unity is amazing. Division is demonic. When it comes to this area of godly relationships, people, it's just wrong. People are in trouble a lot today because of violations of love. Um, it's, it's, it's serious stuff. I mean, whole other message. So, go to one more scripture, and we will close. I told you we'd close at 815 Turn to this. Let's let's finish up with this final scripture. Where is it, Lord? Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Thank you, Lord. So let's close with this scripture here in Proverbs 28. It says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings but he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent notice the first part of the verse a faithful man shall abound with blessings or woman okay well that sounds an awful lot like if you be willing and obedient you get to eat the best of the land right so do you see there's a connection between faithfulness and obedience really i got to thinking about this because You know, we we talked a lot about this in some previous series about if you need help financially, maybe, maybe you should be praying about more than just money. Maybe you should be praying about, Lord, help me to understand faithfulness more, since that kind of man abounds with blessings. Instead of just, oh, Lord, I need this. No, Lord, I need that. How about say, Lord, give me some heavy duty teachings on faithfulness. Give me revelation on what it means to be more faithful. Help me by your mercy and grace to be more faithful. Why? Because that kind of man already is going to abound with blessings. All right? So, I got to thinking about it, the word faithful. That has to do with our being faithful to somebody that's trusting us. Right? So, I got to thinking about the definition of faith. Just think of the word faith. Faith means trust. Being faithful, take it toward the Lord here, being faithful means God's trusting us to do something and to be something, right? He's trusting us. Well, faithfulness would not be just working really hard for the Lord, right? Being real busy doing things that we think He wants us to do. That's called really a waste of time because if we're not busy doing what He wants us to do, we're not faithful. We might be busy, busy doing good works. We might be busy doing things that are all right that people clap for. Or whatever. We might be busy doing things that make money, but it's still not faithfulness unless it's what God's trusting you to do and told you to do. Then it's just hard work. It's just busyness. True faithfulness is being faithful to do what your superior wants you to do. That's what it is. And I, I think a lot of times people mix up hard work for faithfulness. <laughs> and this is where the blessings come in because a lot of people say, well, I'm working hard. I don't see the blessings. What are you working hard at? Well, all this good stuff. Yeah, but is it stuff he, you were told to do? Is it stuff you were told to do or is it just good stuff? That's, this is a revelation I think a lot of people really need to get because hard work in an area you're not called to do is actually kind of a waste of time and energy. Mm. This makes knowing what God wants us to do very, very important. I can sum it up in in two general things. You're going to have to get the specifics yourself. But number one, He wants you to believe in everything the Bible says. Believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And number two, He wants you loving your brothers and sisters in the Lord like He loves you. Those two right there are a full-time job. In addition to that, He wants you to learn to listen to and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your own heart, concerning things that aren't clearly spelled out in the Bible, like where you should be, what you should work at, who you should hook up with, these things that aren't clearly in the Bible. He'll tell you on the inside. it will always line up with the principle of Scripture. But there's, did you know o- obeying the inward witness is obeying God? Yeah. And we'll talk about this some more because th- this is kind of where we left off in our Bible study. But Um, talking about what it really means to obey God. We know it means to obey the book. But it also means to obey the Holy Spirit. And it also means at times to obey men whom God's put in our lives as our leaders. Hebrews 13, you can read it. So let's, let's, um, let's pray. If you want to stand with me, let's pray. We'll close this service with prayer.